Hey, Jack Taggart here. This bonus episode is something that I haven't done before. I am joined by my friend Daniel Gonzalez, and we are going to offer some commentary to the Utah-U.S. Senate debate between incumbent Senator Mike Lee and challenger Evan McMullen. Both of us are not up to date on the issues, and prior to this recording, we don't have any strong opinions about Mike Lee or Evan McMullen. Hopefully this episode will be enlightening to those who are listening as it was to us. Listeners note, the debate was originally streamed on C-SPAN and aired on October 17, 2022. The views that are expressed are entirely of those participating and not of the organizations or businesses that the participants are affiliated with. So, let's talk. The Utah Debate Commission welcomes you to the Senate Candidates Debate. featuring candidates running for the United States Senate. I'm Doug Wright from KSL Radio and Television, and it's my pleasure to moderate tonight's exchange, which is sponsored by the Utah Debate Commission, an organization dedicated to educating voters and encouraging the civil exchange of ideas. The candidates who were invited to speak here tonight are the Republican incumbent, Mike Lee, and independent candidate, Evan McMullen. During this debate, the candidates will be answering my questions as well as those from a panel of journalists and from students. And you're welcome to participate also. If you're watching or listening live, you can send your reaction and your questions on social media to the hashtag UTDebates. I'll fold in as many of those questions as the time will allow tonight. The format for this debate is as follows. Each candidate will have 90 seconds to respond to the questions, along with the opportunity for 30 seconds of rebuttal time if necessary. At my discretion, I may pose a follow-up question to some of the responses we get. A random drawing held prior to the debate determined that Mr. McMullen will get the initial response to the first question tonight. We will then alternate the remaining questions throughout the debate. And let's get going this evening. Gentlemen, thank you so much. This one was submitted to us. The purpose of government is the topic here, and many Utahns would probably say if asked that they support states' rights and that that is very important, but ultimately they want the federal government to do good things with the money we send back to Washington. If elected, what one good thing would you really focus on, would you do to help the federal government bring something good to Utah, and this goes to Mr. McMullen first. Well, thank you very much, Doug, and I want to recognize my wonderful wife, Emily, who's here with us tonight, and our five kids have been a tremendous support to me over the past year long, this year-long campaign. Look, I think tonight we're going to hear two very different visions for representing Utah in the U.S. Senate. My opponent, Senator Lee, believes that the world should be seen through a, a prism of, of partisanship, that it's always Republicans versus Democrats. It's always us versus them. These are the broken politics of Washington. He'll tell us they can't be changed, but I'm here to say it doesn't have to be this way. I'm running to represent and to offer an alternative that I believe is more consistent with the values and interests of our state. I know that we as Utahns and Americans have far more in common 
than we do indifference, and that we can overcome problems by finding common ground together. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm running as an independent because I think it's time to start putting Utah first. It's time to start standing up to the broken politics of party bosses in Washington, special interest groups, and extremist factions who have far too much influence. I'm not going to Washington if we prevail to be a bootlicker for Donald Trump or Joe Biden. And that's a commitment I've made to putting Utah first. Only by standing up to our, our broken politics can we solve problems like inflation and get, getting our reckless spending under control. I'm committed to that. Senator Lee, the response for you, please. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for moderating this tonight. Thanks to the Utah Debate Commission and for UVU for hosting us. Grateful to be joined tonight by my wife, Sharon, and uh, two of our three children. Uh, our third is in Kentucky. He's joining us virtually. I've got a lot of my siblings, my mom and my stepfather here as well. You raise an important question about the purpose of government. Purpose of government is fundamentally to protect life, liberty, and property. More to the point, the purpose of the federal government, the government we'll be discussing tonight, is specific. It's limited. The federal government has become too big and too expensive because it was doing too many things for too long that it was never intended or designed to do. The runaway inflation that we've seen in recent months, with the average Utah family having to shell out an additional $949 every single month for their basic living expenses. It's entirely attributable to Washington, D.C. having lost scope of its, of its purpose and because of the runaway inflation brought about by Joe Biden and the Democratic Congress. We need to turn this around. I've learned a few things over the years about how to unravel it. I'd welcome the opportunity to continue doing that. And with that, I'll be asking for your vote at the end of the night. Thank you. If I might follow up, because again, the, the question was, what is the one good thing that you would help the federal government specifically do for Utah? And if we might just very quickly get to that one thing, is there a passion? Is there something you've noticed in your many, many conversations with Utahns throughout our state? What is that one thing you'd work with the federal government to bring to Utah? And Senator Lee will go to you first. Yeah. Stop excessive federal spending. As I travel the state from one end to the other. We have uh, asked our audience, and if you will forgive me a little chastisement, so we give plenty of time, we don't defocus our candidates, we have asked and our audience agreed to remain silent. And so I'm gonna hold you to that. As I've traveled the state from one end to the other, as I've heard from a single mom in Orem raising three children, who was already working two jobs to support her kids and now has to take on a third job to cover the Biden inflation. She and countless others like her have asked me to stop runaway federal spending. Joe Biden, over the last two years, has had a rubber stamp Democratic-controlled Congress. They've done everything he's asked them to do. And he's asked them to basically print money. We brought in $4 trillion last year. We spent almost seven. So we effectively printed $3 trillion. That's resulted in too many dollars chasing too few goods. That's the very definition of inflation. As the famed Nobel Prize winning economist Milton Friedman explained, in the United States of America, there's only one cause of inflation. It's excessive spending by Congress. I will continue to fight every day 
to rein that in. We need a Republican-controlled Senate to do that. Mr. McMullen. Well, look, I think maybe this is something that Senator Lee and I agree on, at least in part. I also agree that the Biden administration of guilty of, is guilty of reckless spending. They were warned by both Democratic and Republican economists not to pass the, not to put in place the $1.9 trillion spending package during the pandemic that has contributed heavily to inflation in our country. Senator Lee, I'm glad you've stood up to that, at least in rhetoric. But the reality Ooh, is we, wow. need to, we need to represent people, we need to send people to Washington who are willing to stand up both to Republicans and Democrats in the White House who are guilty of reckless spending because the, the administration before Joe Biden, Donald Trump's, was guilty of the same. And, and frankly, no, I'm, I'm, Senator, I'm not quite finished. During your time in the U.S. Senate, when you were elected, the, the U.S. debt was about 12 or $13 trillion, Senator Lee. Now it's almost triple that. It's well over 31 trillion. Mm -hmm. I think our difference is in approach. I know that the only time we've ever gotten our fiscal house in order is when Republicans and Democrats have worked together. Senator Lee refuses to do that, and those are his broken politics. Senator Lee. Yeah, shots fired, right? My main thing is I, I think what McMullen is saying is 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 good in a way, but it also feels a little it's almost a little too close to an ad hominem attack, which is a fallacy you must absolutely avoid. Um, I don't care how much you can talk about how much the other guy sucks. That's not why I'm going to vote for you. I'm voting for you because I want to hear what you're going to do to change it. And Senator Lee sounds like he has a much more clear-cut plan for what he wants to do. I do agree with McMullen that it sounds like Senator Lee is trying to create this schism of us versus them. He keeps focusing on Republicans versus Democrats. Mm -hmm. But I do not feel that McMullen's approach, like I've said, uh, at times I feel appears a little too close to being personal rather than focusing on um, the actual issue. Yeah, no, definitely is coming out swinging, but at least what, so far what I am actually quite surprised because typically maybe I'm just being very ignorant on this, but like I feel like most independent candidates then, I, actually technically, um, if I remember right, Evan McMullen, he's, he basically got the Democratic nomination well, so he ran as an independent, so the Democratic Party chose not to field any candidates um, so that they guess they could better take on Mike Lee, which I'll even say this for me, almost like, well, this is where I'm going, it sounds like mostly independent candidates you hear, they tend to be more left-leaning, where from what I'm understanding is Evan McMullen is, I guess you can say, um, I feel like maybe more of like, I guess you can say more of the moderate, I guess you can say more of the anti, anti-MAGA, part of the Republican Party. It's kind of where he's kind of, kind of going for. That my, that's, that's what I'm, I'm getting so far on that. Um, I would say so, but it sounds like he also doesn't like Biden. I'd almost say closer to libertarian mm. because it sounds like he, well, both of them honestly, which I was very surprised with, with uh, Senator Lee's response because I have felt that when you're in one of the two big parties, generally, they kind of focus on big federal government thing. And 
the focus on more state-focused rights. And again, this is, might just be me not understanding Democrat, Republican, or maybe the definition has changed. I'm going to say it has as well. Mm -hmm. But um, I generally feel like neither of them are against or are, are, are for, I guess, a shrinking gov uh, federal government that feels more like um, independent party thinking mm -hmm. than one of the two big two, I guess. All right. Okay. All righty. Quick 30-second rebuttal. To suggest that I'm beholden to either party, that I've uh, been a bootlicker for either party is folly, and it's contradicted by the plain facts. Look, no member of the Republican Senate conference voted independently during the Trump administration than I did. Only two senators, Susan Collins and Rand Paul, voted less with President Trump than I did. I have stood against my party time and time again to oppose reckless spending. I will do it again and again and again. We need people to say no because when Washington only wants to spend money, they're spending it at your expense. They're making you less powerful. They're making you more poor. That must stop. We want to get... I might say this as well as, I'm just thinking like more of like, what about the, the, the Mitt Romney's as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. That's kind of what I'm wondering. I mean, Grant, I don't know, maybe like they're counting like during the entire administration, or Trump's administration, because I know Romney was elected in 2018, so. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. So that's true. He was one of the. He was, from what I recall, he was one of the more vocal um, critics of Trump. And yeah, and I kind of figured all this debate, and I guess even into this election, is going to be more, I guess, a referendum on, on Sanders and his involvement with um, President Trump. So. But. Well, I mean, that's that's part of what we've seen anyway, right? Yeah. Sort of a schism in the Republican Party, depending on whether they side with him or whether they're against him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. To a specific issue that has been submitted to the debate commission, wanting us to talk more about the federal government and its ruling in the case West Virginia versus EPA, the Supreme Court said that the EPA didn't have the authority to enforce coal emissions and that the authority should come from a law yet to be created in Congress. Do you think this is the most effective system of government? And can Congress take on this task? And should they take on this task and pass even more very specific and granular laws? And we go to Mr. McMullen for this. Well, look, I, I do think there's a, there's a role for the federal government in helping ensure that we have clean air and, and sufficient water. I certainly think that's true. But our solutions are going to come more at the federal level or at the, at the state level. You know, there's no way for Washington to tell us totally how we can keep our air clean and, and ensure that we have sufficient water. There is a role for the federal government to play, certainly, but there's an important role for the states as well. And I think, uh, I think it's important that the federal government support state efforts rather than dictate to them what those efforts should be. Senator Lee. I don't disagree with the comment just made uh, by my opponent. Um, states can do better. We know our topography, our demographics, our geography, our specific needs better than any bureaucrat in Washington ever could. As to West Virginia versus EPA, the Supreme Court emphatically got that case right. Look, what Congress has been passing as legislation for decades, sadly under the leadership of uh, Republican and Democratic Congresses and White Houses alike, has been platitudes more than laws. In many instances, they'll pass a law that will say we shall have good law. 
in the area of clean air, and we hereby delegate to the EPA the power to decide what clean air is and to punish polluters. In West Virginia versus EPA, the Supreme Court said, look, EPA has exercised that authority so broadly so as to shut down certain sources of electric power in this country. Congress cannot possibly be deemed to have voluntarily uh, handed that authority over to EPA. This is the tip of the iceberg of what needs to change. The very first clause of the first section of the first article of the Constitution says that all legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States. That power has been handed over, lock, stock and barrel, to unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats. This is why we need a Republican Congress to enact the RAINS Act that would put the power back in your hands and away from the unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats. We appreciate your responses, and I'm not seeing the need for a, a rebuttal on that one. In all of my experience with debates and in talking with the folks from the Utah Debate Commission, they too have never seen anything quite like this, where so many people have con contacted us as a commission, me as the moderator, them as individuals, asking a series of questions that they feel they deserve very straight, specific answers to. We've broken it down to four things, and hopefully we can address this relatively quickly. In the first part of this, we've broken it into four questions. But this one is a very basic one that will go to the senator. Did Joe Biden fairly, that's the important word, did oh. Joe Biden fairly win the 2020 presidential election? Senator Lee. Yes, Joe Biden is our president. He was chosen in the only election that matters, the election held by the Electoral College. It was on that basis that I voted to certify the election results. The Electoral College cast its vote. Joe Biden won that. Now, as to whether there were errors, as to whether uh, some states uh, might have mm -hmm. conducted their elections better than others, there's always room for debate and questions about that. Some people express concerns about the number of states using universal mail-in balloting for the first time in 2020. Unlike Utah, they hadn't tested it out. In Utah, we've got these signature verification protocols. We've got elaborate procedures for going through the voter registration rules to make sure that the wrong people, people who have died or moved out of state, uh, aren't voting. Uh, in other states, there were open questions about that, about ballot harvesting and things like that. But ultimately, what matters is the Electoral College, and the Electoral College won. I would add here, it's absolutely essential that the authority to conduct elections remain in state hands, never consolidated in federal hands where the risk of corruption is great. On this, my opponent and I disagree. My opponent has expressed support for legislation backed by the Democrats called S-1. S-1 would consolidate excessive authority over elections in the federal government. It would do so, moreover, in a way that would virtually cobble the states in their ability to enact voter security measures like voter ID. This is a bad step. We should shun it like the plague. Mr. McMullen. Well, I certainly think it's important that we protect voters' rights and that we protect the, the peaceful transfer of power, Senator Lee. But for you to talk about the importance of the, le the Electoral College, I think, is rich. I think you, you know exactly how important it is. And I think you knew how important it was when you sought to urge the White House that had lost an election to find fake electors to overturn the will of the people. Senator Lee, that was the most egregious betrayal of our nation's constitution in its history by a U.S. Senator, I believe, and it will be your legacy. Senator Lee is still casting doubt. Please. 
It's going to be interesting. So. Ladies and gentlemen, you just took about seven or eight minutes away from the candidates. We're here to hear them. Senator Lee, you advised spurious so-called legal efforts to mislead tens of millions of Americans that the election had been stolen. And congratulations, you succeeded. As recently as this year, and even tonight, you're still casting doubt on the legitimacy of the election. No, you're, doing a you're doing a tremendous disservice to this country, Senator Lee. You have betrayed your oath to the Constitution with this. It is a t and, and for this state, Utah, that was founded by people like my ancestors and yours, who sacrificed greatly to finally realize true freedom, for you to represent this state and to cast away, to abandon, to throw away 14 generations of American leadership, I think is a travesty. Senator Lee, a 30-second rebuttal. Evan, that's not true. It is. You know that's not true. It you, is. sir, owe me an apology. Listen. In the days leading up to January 6th, when the votes were going to be open and counted, I had a job to do. There were rumors circulating, suggesting that some states were considering switching out their slates of electors. If that were true, I would need to know about it. I did research on that. I made phone calls to figure out whether the rumors were true. The rumors were false. On that basis, I voted to certify the results of the election. Senator Lee, thank you. Thank you. There are other aspects of this, but again, please, I would ask our audience, you know, so far about 15 or 20 seconds have been taken from what our listening audience, our viewing audience, and people want to hear from the candidates. Please, we asked you, invited you nicely to restrain yourselves a little bit so we could hear from the candidates themselves. I do want to, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put a, several of these aside because we're already running a little bit behind time. But I want to ask this question. How do you characterize the events that happened on January 6th at the U.S. Capitol? And we'll start with Evan McMullen on this one. It was a violent insurrection with the intention of overturning the American Republic. You know, I, I think about my ancestors again who fought in the Revolutionary War, Senator Lee, and who fled religious persecution on the East Coast and trekked across the plains and the Rockies to achieve freedom here. I think about the men and women who I served with in the CIA who left the warmth of their homes and the love of their families to risk their lives not knowing if they would ever come home in order to stop terrorists who were intent on destroying freedom in America. I think about all the men and women, the 14 generations of Americans who have sacrificed for this grand experiment in freedom. They trusted you, we trusted you. And with that trust and with your knowledge of the Constitution, Senator Lee, you sought to find a weakness in our system. You advised the White House, find an alternative slate of electors for Trump to overturn the will of the people. That's what you said. You said that, that the president should listen to legal quack Sidney Powell. Please make time for her. Let her in, you told the White House chief of staff. You told the president that you were working overtime, 14 hours a day, I think you said, to unravel this for him, to keep a president who had been voted out of office according to the will of the people in power despite the will of the people. Senator Lee, it is a betrayal of the American Republic. You were there to stand up for our, for our Constitution. But when the barbarians were at the gate, you were happy to let them in. 
Senator Lee, next, and we will give you an additional 11 seconds, please. Look, I, I think I disagree with everything my opponent just said, including the words but, and, and the. Um, it was an information-free, truth-free statement. Uh, that's uh, something of a record. Look, um, I, th there is absolutely nothing to the idea uh, that I would have ever supported, ever, ever did support a fake electors plot. Nothing. There's not a scintilla of evidence suggesting that, and yet you continue to insist that with a cavalier, reckless disregard for the truth. This is sad. This is troubling. It's also entirely consistent with your adopted political party. You have oh. sought for, actively courted, and obtained the endorsement of the Democratic Party. You've raised millions of dollars from Act Blue, uh, the uh, database on which far-left, progressive, socialist, democratic donors can be found. And then you have, in the last quarter alone, spent $1.6 million feeding the democratic industrial complex. So it's not surprising to me that you would come here today and spout not only lies, but lies that are specific to the leftist cause, lies, lies that are specific to the Democratic Party, and lies that certainly are not applicable to me. Yes, there were people who behaved very badly on that day. I was not one of them. I was one of the people trying to dismantle this situation, trying to stop it from happening, because I believe in this document written by the hands of wise men raised up by God to that very purpose. I followed it. I studied it. And Senator I defended Lee, it to a team. We'll have 30 seconds here in a, in a moment. For you to suggest otherwise looks right in the face of truth and in the face of the Constitution. How dare you, sir? Mr. McMullen, you have 30 seconds. Rebuttal. Look, S Senator Lee has been doing this thing with his pocket Constitution for the last several years. Senator Lee, it is not a prop. It is not a prop. Please. Senator Lee, the Constitution is not a prop for you to wave about and then when it's convenient for your pursuit of power to abandon without a thought. That's what you've done with that, okay? If you're committed to the Constitution, then stand up for our free and fair elections. Stand up for the peaceful transfer of power. You did so. You voted to certify the election in the last moment. In the same way that someone knows of, you know, a, a, a plot that isn't quite working out ought to abandon it. That's what you did. But look, Senator Lee is retreating to a safe space. Again, these are his broken politics of right versus left, Republicans versus Democrats. Senator Lee, you know I'm not a Democrat. But you're not worried about that. You're worried about the fact that I'm an independent and that I'm building a cross-partisan coalition of Republicans, Democrats, and independents and members of third parties to replace you and to stand up to your broken politics and those of the party bosses and special interests who line your pockets. That's what I'm doing, and I know it frightens you, because if you can keep us divided, then that's how you hold on to power. You're used to that. But we're building a cross-partisan coalition to replace you, Senator Lee, and it must be done. Okay, Senator Lee, we're going to give you a 30-second rebuttal to that. I, I wasn't going to call that, but I, I think we should in this case. This is not a prop, and I don't carry it a prop. This is a reference manual. I carry it with me next to my heart because I refer to it daily, constantly. You'd be surprised at how often it comes in handy to have it right there. My colleagues have come to depend on it because they know I've always got one. The words matter. I've followed the words. You distort the truth and you should be ashamed. I mentioned that uh, students here at Utah Valley University were going to be participating in tonight's debate and uh, we're very pleased. I think we should probably stop and try to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
And again, I think it's a good thing that we focus on what they have said rather than what our personal feelings might be on set events they're talking about. Um, at this point, it feels like McMullen is safely, although still a little aggressively, retreating away from those ad hominem attacks because um, he's not calling he's not calling Senator Lee a liar or a coward or anything. He is consistently referring to his actions and the things that he has chosen to do while in office. Um, and you did see Senator Lee try to weaponize that. He tried to say, oh, well, he's actually a Democrat. And again, he did try to turn it into an us versus them thing. Mm. So I think McMullen correctly called him out on that. Um, I still, uh, McMullen's, I would say his, uh, I would say his rhetoric, his syntax, his choice of prose, I suppose, is, um, is lacking. It feels like he is very emotionally charged. And while I think it's interesting to see him actually getting a rise out of Senator Lee, who appeared very calm and collected, um, that's generally not the kind of person I want to have mm. in office. My hope is that he, it's, this is because this is a long time coming and not because this is how he feels right now because I don't need somebody who just acts on whatever emotion comes to them first. That's incredibly dangerous. Yeah, and I've kind of been noticing more as glitch within the debates as well, or so far what I've seen is that uh, seems Lee seems to be more focused-centered, or focus, more centered on um, solutions, whereas, you know, frankly, I even say this as well, you know, with uh, particularly referencing January 6th, it's like, well, gee whiz, what, what did you want him to do, really? And... Um, and I'll even say it's 20, or hindsight is 2020, or yeah. And so basically, I don't know, maybe, well, I think, well, where am I going with this? I feel like, um, yeah, well, I don't know where I'm going with that, but, um, but yeah, no, that's kind of what, I guess, what I'm kind of less, more inclined, more to, well, so far what I've, what I've heard so far is McMullen definitely, I feel like needs, I think as probably as he, as he should, I think as probably what this country needs more of a coalition of people so we can get up behind the same candidate. However, going like like going back to what I've been saying, it's like it's not um, not results or uh, solution driven. Saying why am I a candidate is not winning, or why why you shouldn't be voting for him. Which frankly, and you're absolutely right. More of like and well, Mike Lee kind of pointed out correctly. It's more of he's McMullen's kind of. Um, just almost re not regurgitating, but just repeating like very emotionally charged statements meant to, you know, frankly make make Mike Lee look bad. So, so yeah. We yeah. still got a little more than half the debate, so hopefully McMullen okay. backs away from the pathos and focuses a little more on the solutions he actually has in mind. Yep. All righty. Is now to go to UVU student McKenna Briggs for the next question. 
Hi, my name is McKenna Briggs. Um, I'm an intern with wow. Governor Herbert's Institute for Public Policy, and I'm majoring in political science. My question for you is you've both expressed opposition to President Biden's student loan forgiveness executive order. What solutions do you have um, for the student loan crisis? And this goes to Senator Lee first. First and best thing that the federal government could do with regard to student loans is get out of the student loan business. It has no business there. Look, um, we have to remember how this came about, how it originated. The only reason we got in to the student loan business is because enterprising Democrats during the debates leading up to the passage of Obamacare wanted to pay for it. They wanted a funding mechanism. They wanted a way for the federal government to borrow money at a lower interest rate, loan it back out at a higher interest rate, milking American students all over the country and pocketing the difference to fund Obamacare. This was wrong. It was also wrong to put that much power in the federal government, in the executive branch of government, and specifically in the president himself. So the way we deal with that is put it back in the private sector, leave the federal government out of it, and for heaven's sakes, we must never again pass legislation that can even be read as giving the president such sweeping power. He was wrong here. This statute doesn't give him that power. The fact that he can even make a, a colorable claim to that effect is itself disgraceful. Mr. McMullen. Yeah, I saw you uh, shake your head. Um, it's just, it's the immediate heel turn. He, he immediately tries to make it the problem of the Democrats. And it's like, I, with broad sweeping statements like that, that's just, again, that's a fallacy. That's a generalization. You're using these absolutes because it sounds better, but it's rarely true. Yeah. I'll even say this, I didn't quite understand the logic or the rationale behind behind how, how you know student loans came to be, so federally student loans came to be. And from what I understand, it's been a problem for a while, not just like since Obamacare. So And it, and it has. There <clears throat> that's another thing he, he talks about taking it back to the private sector, but um I feel like the private sector has it much easier to um to scam and to take from the students and the government might. I, that might sound a little naive, but I feel like it's easier for the private sector to do it. Yeah, and then there's the, I've also thought that if you were to give it back to the private sector, what what would that happen? You know, is there any oversight? Is, are there any regulations? Um, be interesting to explore, but um, again, I definitely do agree with the sentiment that, uh, well, whenever any government subsidy or whenever anyone subsidizes anything for another person, you know, it's going to incentivize the companies to raise their, their prices. So, which again, insurance, for example, which could arguably, or a, a case could arguably be made. Insurance is why healthcare is so dang expensive in the United States. But, That's true. But anyways, what do I know? I, I'm not an economist, so, so yeah. All righty, ready? Look, I think also that, that the federal government has played a, a, a tragic role in elevating the prices of, of higher education. It shouldn't cost as much as it is. It's now out of reach of many Americans, and I fear even middle-class Americans as well. It's far too expensive. 
I don't agree with, with Senator Lee that the federal government should be entirely out of that, but it has to be more careful. This fed, the federal government has played a role in inflating higher education costs. And, and I'm concerned that Joe Biden's decision here has also contributed to inflation or will contribute to inflation. I believe that we should have debt forgiveness programs for those in public service like teachers and police officers and those in the military and, and in other roles serving the country. But it should have been a more narrowly focused program, and he should work with Congress in order to design it and implement it. That is what I think is required. But we have got to reform our system for financing higher education, and it does mean lessening the federal government's role. I still think the federal, federal government does have a role to play, especially for, for low-income students or for people who otherwise wouldn't be, wouldn't be able to afford higher education, but it has contributed to inflation of the worst kind in higher education, and we have to reform that to bring prices down. Thank you for your two responses. And we mentioned that we have uh, invited social media participants to send us their questions and thoughts. And this one from social media to each of the candidates, do you support continuing Social Security and Medicare? And this time we go to Mr. McMullen first. Well, well, I do. I, I believe that Social Security and Medicare are important uh, uh, elements of our social fabric in America. Uh, I'll work with anybody who wants to ensure our seniors' future. Uh, I think the biggest challenge right now is our fiscal irresponsibility as a country. And I, again, I'm talking about both parties. Both parties are guilty of fiscal responsibility. And only when both parties work together can we get our fiscal house in order. Uh, but, you know, uh, entering unnecessary wars has, has uh, weakened our fiscal situation. Uh, failing to stand up to special interest groups in our health care system that make us pay more for, for uh, prescription drugs and for other uh, types of health care than almost anyone else in the world. Spending too much on dated weapon systems from decades ago because we're not willing to stand up to special interest groups on that front. We should be spending more wisely. All of that recklessness is putting Social Security and Medicare at risk. I will not balance our budget on the backs of seniors. Senator Lee. Oh, you're good? Okay, cool. I mean, well, we'll see what Mike Lee says. So. We, we have to honor the promises made to America's seniors who paid into these programs for decades. We can't walk away from that. Now, look, we have seen the peril in putting this power in the federal government, which is why I've long supported the concept of uh, allowing people over time, perhaps people in their 20s or 30s, to designate their Social Security, their Medicare money to go into something that they control. The reason I say this is that look at what, what's happened over time. I've had to object on countless occasions, including once at 2 or 3 in the morning, when Congress, in the middle of the night, under color of darkness, raided the Social Security Trust Fund in order to pay for reckless runaway spending. Tragically, this was Republicans and Democrats alike. So yes, we need to honor those things. And we also need to reform them to make it more difficult for Congress to raid seniors' money. Thank you to both of you. And we Definitely, Social Security does need to be reformed. So it's the model that it was created under back in the 30s is not working anymore. So. Um, so far for the last two questions, I've been much more impressed by McMullen's responses. Oh, same. He yeah. feels much more collected. This is the, this is the kind of candidate that I feel is more of a match for Senator Lee. 
because his volatile behavior at the beginning would it just feels like a loose cannon it feels like someone that right. I would not feel safe voting for I might agree with some of the things he says but I don't know like I said too volatile um, and I just think that they both had good things to say about this my main concern is Senator Lee said that um, we need to put we need to give people the option to put these things into something where they have the power but who's overseeing this thing? What is this thing we're putting it in? Mm. I don't hear something specific. That's not a specific solution. It's not like I have his, it's not like his idea is gonna give me a piggy bank that my money, 10% of my money magically goes into every time I get a paycheck. That's not how that works. And he knows that he didn't offer a specific solution. So I'm like, what? Yeah, no, I only didn't say this, but whoever is listening to this, how Social Security works is I pay into a fund, and that is term in economics is called a transfer payment. So, like the money I pay in goes to my grandmother, whoever, or whoever, or other senior citizen who then uses that money to live. And so the idea is, when by the time I get sixty, there's more people supporting me, you know, which is the reason why we should worry about population de decline or decline in the population. So uh, yeah, it's definitely his problem. His solution is a little problematic and definitely needs more specifics. So, but yeah, Anyways, am, I, am I talking too much here? No, you're good. Cool. All right. We have now reached a point in the evening where the halfway point of the Senate debate featuring the Republican incumbent, incumbent Mike Lee and independent challenger Evan McMullen. I'm Doug Wright from KSL Radio and Television. And again, as we already have, we're still taking your questions during this live broadcast. And you can use the hashtag UTDebates on social media. And let's get back to the issues. Let me ask this question, and then we're going to go to one of our students again here at Utah Valley University. Let's talk about inflation. It's an issue that is front and forward for everybody in the country, but here in the state of Utah, who do you feel bears most of the responsibility for these higher prices? Is it the federal government or is it large business, big corporations? And we start with Senator Lee this time. In the late 1970s, the last time we saw a major raft of inflation, uh, similar questions were asked to Milton Friedman. The, aforementioned Nobel Prize winning economist. He, uh, he was asked, you know, is it speculative investing? Is it trade unions? Uh, is it international trade? What is it? And he said, in the United States of America, inflation has but one cause. It is federal spending, reckless, excessive federal spending. So it, it is Congress. It's Congress that's spent way too much. Now, it's been spending way too much for a very long time. And I've been a leading opponent of that excessive spending. But they've ratcheted it up to a whole new level. We thought it was too much cowbell before. They gave it 10 times the cowbell. As soon as the Democrats obtained dual control of the Houses of Congress and the White House at the same time, they said yes to everything Joe Biden asked for. We brought in record-breaking revenue to the federal government last year. Over $4 trillion, more revenue than we've ever brought in in the past. More revenue than just a few years ago the federal government spent in a whole year. And I'm talking Social Security to defense and everything in between. The problem is, while we brought in over $4 trillion, we spent nearly 7 This happened because Joe Biden had a, a dual backstop in Congress. What we need now more than ever is a Republican-controlled Senate. Mm. If you want that and to bring inflation under control, I ask for you to vote for me. 
Mr. McMullen. Look, again, it, it, it is both parties. Uh, where was Senator Lee when, when President Trump was spending recklessly during an expansionary period? Senator Lee will say that he was voting no. But I'll tell you what, it didn't work. We still added to the debt during that time. We're adding more now and on and on and on. The job of a senator, especially representing our state, has to be to stand up to leaders of both parties, to Joe Biden and to Donald Trump. That's what's required, Senator Lee, because both parties are spending recklessly. And you vote no. And, and let me say, Senator, I think it's right that a senator should be willing to stand even alone and vote no. And you're very good at that. But you know what? It can't be the only thing you do. That's not the job of the senator. The job of a senator representing Utah is to work across party lines to solve problems. We have a legacy in this state of sending senators to Washington. Senator Bennett, Senator Hatch, now Senator Romney. They worked and work together across party lines to solve problems, Senator Lee. They don't only vote no, they're at the table negotiating a better deal for Utah and our country, and I'm committed to doing that on our spending and on every other issue. Senator Lee, you've asked for a rebuttal. Yeah, we've long had a problem where we've had at least 50 Democrats, all 50 Democrats, willing to vote for any amount of spending. And tragically, you've typically had at least 10 Republicans willing to cross party lines to vote for the Democrats' spending priorities. Look, I, I call that President Trump all the time. I voted less with President Trump than anyone else other than Rand Paul and Susan Collins. In fact, I call that President Trump uh, about spending bills specifically, including one time when he called me on my airplane coming back to Utah, and I told him it was a huge mistake. I called him out in public and in private, on a train in the rain with a fox in, in a box, every time I got the chance. There we go. Okay, we have uh, another... Yeah. Uh, one thing I do have, I have issues with uh, Senator Lee's statement is we need a Republican controlled. I do not think that is the solution to that. I definitely do agree with uh, McMullen's position. We need to work across the aisle and frankly, arguably from what, um, from what I've heard, you know, with big decisions, I even say going back to Obamacare as well, even with that, you know, big decisions like that need to be um, decided. Um, by both sides of that, both, both parties, not by just one running rush out over the other. And um, again, I'm very concerned about Senator Lee's uh, idea, or is or with that where he's coming from. Granted, he's spent more time in on the Hill than I have, so definitely knows how it works, but, um, but yeah. He knows how the system works. My point is McMullen keeps saying that the system is broken. Hmm. And so just because you know how the system works doesn't mean the system is good. Mm. Yeah, true. And I don't know, but it is very interesting as well. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, we'll see. So, all righty, ready? Yep. Another uh, question that's coming to us from social media, and we're very pleased to include those folks tonight. Prescription drug prices in America are out of control. What would you do to make them more affordable? And this time we go to Mr. McMullen. Yeah, well, look, we have to allow the taxpayer to fully negotiate on prescription drugs as a part of a free market. And right now, that's not what we have. We pay more for prescription drugs in our country than almost anyone on earth. And it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. 
You know, my opponent, Senator Lee, who's taken over $4 million from special interest groups during his time in the Senate. Oh. Yes, we count, Senator Lee. We've counted it up. It's well so over $4 million. A lot of that coming from special interest groups in, the, in big pharma who are paying you and putting money in your pockets. Senator Lee, you consistently vote against and introduce bills that prevent the taxpayer from freely negotiating in a market lower prescription drug costs. And you're so proud of your work on that. But all it does is make big pharma companies, it allows them to charge Americans far more than they should. Do you think it's right that we pay more for prescription drugs here in America than almost any other people in any other country? Is that right? I wonder if you'd be so proud and if you'd have that same smirk if a woman named Ann, who I met on the campaign trail were here. She pays more for life-saving prescription drugs for her child than she does for her mortgage every month. And Senator Lee, she reached out to your office pleading for help. And in response, she received a dismissive form letter. I wonder, if you'd, still, to, I wonder if you'd still be smirking if she were here today, we're Senator Lee. We're over 30 Lee. seconds, and we'll make that time good on your side, Senator Lee. Look, <clears throat> competition lowers prices, and it brings up quality. What we need is competition. That's why I've long supported allowing the importation of drugs from neighborly countries with regulatory systems that we can trust. Now, I'm with Bernie Sanders on this one, feeling the burn. Uh, drives the drug companies absolutely berserk. But I support it because it's free market, and it's free market in a way that would bring about more competition and lower prices. What my opponent has just suggested to you as freely negotiating is code. It's democratic code, democratic code for price controls. He supports price controls mm -hmm. as recently enacted into the Orwellian named Inflation Reduction Act, which does nothing of the sort. What we know about price controls is that they shift around prices. They still bring about price increases, but they leave people with fewer options, less viable medical care. That is the last thing we need in the United States of America. Thank you, gentlemen, for your responses. Didn't answer the question. Yeah. No, neither of them did. And that's, I don't know, but it happened, McMullen, you were doing okay, and then you just got back on your little hate train. No one, we all know you're independent. Yeah. Nobody cares. Tell me how you're going to make adjustments, because now all I'm seeing is you're just picking on Senator Lee. And I'm not saying I feel bad for Senator Lee, but I don't see why I should vote for you. Yeah, no, and my thing for once, like name one bill that he kind of said that would lower, or you know, or that would, that would increase the health or Medicare prices, which I can't agree. I feel like pharmaceutical companies, they are, I think they are a major contributor to our, our outrageous healthcare costs. But, um, well, and he also, Senator Lee also has another point as well that well, who is going to negotiate? Or, you know, what is this negotiation? What, how, it, what are we going to do? You know, but. Well, I, I, I thought, honestly, like his strategy felt viable, more viable anyway. It's like competition, let other people buy from other people. Part more of a more solution oriented. Again, more yeah. of a solution. And then he took down his side again by trying to say McMullen is Democrat. Well, detracting from the issue. It's like, why? I know. Well, you know, another thing also, you know, maybe I'm being more in part or more partial against uh, McMullen, but it's like he said, you know, claiming 
Senator Lee was um, taking money from special interest groups, which I believe they have every right to. They have every right to do that, and that uh, very unpopular. But um, but you know, basically, if you were like a collectively group of people, where these decisions in Congress are made, you are pretty sure you're going to want to protest or let your senator or your representative know how this is going to affect you. Is that, is that does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know. I just it, yeah. the, the, it also sounds, in some instances, at least to my mind, it comes across as. Yeah, you can take bribes. That's kind of what well, it comes across. Well, no, I'm not advocating for taking bribes. You know, there's very strict laws on that. You know, but it's more of, you know, if with any special interest groups or lobbyists, I feel like it. Yeah, I think it's part of the. I should, should be part of the democratic process. You know, if, if you know, I mean, if Congress is making decisions about your how your about your livelihood, you, you know, I mean, you sure yes, you need to petition your your congressman or the committee chairmans of of these committees. And that makes uh, and that makes a little more sense. My main thing is that just I think the reason why people struggle with politics is because they use a lot of these big words, like I said, the syntax, their word choice, but also a lot of it is just euphemism. They're they're trying to say something without saying it. People are not going to trust you if you have difficulty being honest. Yeah, no, fair. You got a point. So I can agree with that. Alrighty, ready? Yeah, cool. And we mentioned just a moment ago, we have a student on deck with us, a question from uh, Utah State University student, Mike Erickson. Good evening, good evening to both of you. Good evening. My question relates to foreign policy. Um, in light of recent events, the possibility of war seems to be the most likely it's ever been for most college students. Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran have become increasingly aggressive and bold militarily. How will each of you approach foreign policy in the Senate to ensure the United States remains internationally dominant in times of both peace and war? If I could jump in here as we throw it to Senator Lee first. Yeah. I want him to qualify the internationally dominant thing there because maybe it's the connotations the word has taken on. Hmm. But I mean, that sounds a little colonialist to me. <laughs> so yeah. I was doing like, what? I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm going to step in my mind, so yeah, fair. All right. First, we're going to keep the responses to one minute uh, for the remainder of the program so we can hopefully get into some other issues. So, Senator Lee. Yeah, a lot to cover in a, in a minute. There are things we have to do right away. First is invest in hard power. We need to increase the size of our naval fleet. We need to invest in systems uh, like the updated, modernized international ballistic missile system. Um, uh, we've got to do those things immediately as far as the soft power side of things go. We need robust bilateral trade agreements with other countries in Asia to offset China. And we could do that if we continue to work with the other Quad countries, including and especially India, and, and of course Australia and Japan. If we had more of that free trade, China would be less belligerent. We also need a Republican offset to a president who's not all there, to a president for whom my opponent voted, a president who has been saber-rattling and speaking of Armageddon under circumstances that are deeply troubling to all of us. And Mr. McMullen. 
Well, Senator Lee, I, I think both you and I have, have had times of frustration over the last several years in the options being provided to us at the presidential level by both parties. In 2016, as you recall, you voted for me out of that frustration when you stood on principle, as you should have. Yeah. What the, what? So, so look. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck? Well, so there's a couple of things that are funny there. First of all, no, an emphatic no to Senator Lee saying we need to spend more money on naval commanders. The United States spends more money than any country in the world in military power. As a matter of fact, the second country behind us is, I want to say, several billion behind us. So his suggestion that we need to spend more money on the military is outrageous and I cannot agree. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, yeah, no, I definitely understand that. I definitely do think that the, uh, well, going on, I might be contradicting myself, but like there are like particularly like military uh, comp contractors who have a vested interest in having war. So, which I definitely, well, the military industrial complex, but. You know, I'm, I'm a little hesitant with that. I agree with you on that, too. I don't think we need to, we should be <laughs> ramping up military spending at all. It's, we spend too much, but, um, but yeah. We good? Yeah, that's okay. just funny that you brought yeah. it <laughs> Yeah, let me, go, let me go back a little, so. To level by both parties. In 2016, as you recall, you voted for me out of that frustration when you stood on principle, as you should have. Yeah. So. So look, I, I think that you know, we have to strengthen our relations with, with other free nations. I agree that trade is absolutely critically important, especially on the Pacific Rim side. We need to invest in advanced technologies. We need to do all of these things. So Senator Lee and I have some agreement, at least based on your comments tonight on these things. But I'll, I'll tell you what is also important. We need to elect leaders and representatives of this freedom-loving state that will stand up to foreign dictators and not enable them. Senator Lee, Whoa, what the heck? Did that imply? Yeah. <laughs> I told you this. The, uh, it's, it's probably because of the... Oh, and you get into the whole freedom of speech thing there. But, I mean, if he, if he outright says, you did this, then Senator Lee can try to sue him for slander or something. I don't know if that's what it is. or, hmm. But it's like, at this point... I don't see what's stopping McMullen from just outright saying that. I don't. <laughs> At this point, from what we've seen, it's like McMullen. You can say it. Nothing you say is going to surprise me now. Yeah. Well, it's not working for him. So he just needs to let go of that man. Please let go. Yeah. You are the only member of Utah's congressional delegation. Not. He already knows where I'm going. N not to be blacklist blacklisted by Vladimir Putin. It's just an incredible... Okay, what does that have to do with, with that? I don't know. Because um, they, they're talking about uh, foreign policy. Oh, okay, so he's saying because Lee has not been blacklisted by Putin, Putin favors Lee. Lee did something for Putin. And so he's saying... Uh, that he somehow enabled Putin and what Putin's doing. What? No, that's, I mean, no, <laughs> not necessarily. So. Yeah, I was like, that's a pretty big leap in logic. Yeah. And, um, 
I'm sure we'll see McMullen get dismantled in a second here for that one. Distinction, but you know, there's yeah, there's a reason why. Yet, so. It's because in 2017, Senator Lee was one of only two senators to vote against sanctioning Putin's regime. Then in 2019, he went to Russia alone and discussed lifting sanctions with him. He has voted repeatedly against supporting Ukraine. He has he has. Hey, Mr. McMullen, we are. I could go time. on and on. We are out of time, and Senator We've got Lee, to stand you've up asked for a dictators. rebuttal. Instead of 30 seconds, we'll give you 40. Come on, seconds. man! I voted against the sanction bill because because it was cobbled together in a piece of legislation with some progressive ideology. Perhaps you're okay with that. I was not. I voted against it. As far as going to Russia. We even said that's actually quite common. I, I know they yeah. do. They tax stuff on. Yeah, and that's why a lot of people don't. Well, yeah, why these parts. Again, that's yeah. why it's a specious leap in logic that for yeah. him to be like, mm. yeah. Yeah, I went to Russia at the invitation of my friend, mentor, and former boss, John Huntsman, who was then the U.S. ambassador to Russia. I did so because I needed to stand up for religious freedom. We had had missionaries and other Americans imprisoned for their religious beliefs in Russia, and I found this unacceptable. That's why I went there. As to why they haven't blacklisted me, I don't know. I'd love to be blacklisted there. I've been banned for life from China. I hope Russia will ban me next. But for you to suggest, as you have repeatedly, that I'm... Oh, sorry. Come on, man. Yeah. 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 Some sort of fan of Vladimir Putin is absolutely false and disgraceful. Okay, let's move on to another question. Uh, uh, please, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for making that brief so we can move on. How are both of you thinking about the legal question that arises from the Dobbs decision from the Supreme Court where different states mm. now can and will have different laws on how to handle abortion. And I believe we're starting with, uh, I'm trying to remember. I'm waiting for the magic voice in my ear, and apparently they have abandoned me. So let's start with Mr. <laughs> McMullen. Well, well, look, now, now that states are, are making decisions on this issue, uh, I, I think that it's absolutely critically important that, that we find a constructive way forward on the issue. I'm pro-life, and I've always believed in the sanctity of life. And I oppose the extremes on both sides of this issue. Those that would, that those in, who are in favor of, of late-term ab abortions on demand or those who would ban abortions without exceptions. I think that's wrong. This issue is dividing our country unnecessarily. It doesn't have to be this way. There is a more constructive way forward. It's making contraception more available, doing more to support women, children, and families, and imparting the right values to our youth. That's what we can do to, to lower the abortion rate in America. Some of these bills that I see being passed around the country are extreme, like this idea that we would force a 10-year-old rape victim to carry a pregnancy to term. That's wrong. And my opponent has defended these bills. And I think you have, Senator, you have. I watched on, the man. tape myself. Senator Lee, you have defended these bills. I watched the tape. This Just stop, dude. Just stop. I don't. This is another reason why people probably don't like politics. This just feels very grade school. And I'm not here to watch kids in elementary school fight with each other. I'm here to hear about the issues and how people will deal with them. I think it's important that we try to hold certain people accountable. But he's not trying to hold him accountable. He's just trying to brand him, to sway our decision towards him. That's disingenuous. And that he thinks that I'm stupid enough to fall for that is offensive. 
Yeah, yeah, again, not, well, no where he stands, but again, well, kind of offer a bit of a solution to it, but then, but yeah, no, definitely do agree it's more of, more taunts than, yeah. And I, th I think I did like that he started talking about solutions, like he had an idea, it's like, okay, I can see what you want to do. Hmm. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be voting on people based on the policies that I believe they're going to implement, not on whether he's really good at making fun of that guy or not. Yeah, well, well, Trump got elected, so, but, well, actually, well, anyways, but. I was like, oh, that's probably another thing. Yeah, so. discussion, yeah, for a different day, so. This morning, you defending the Texas bill, okay, for example. Okay, we'll have Senator Lee respond yeah. at this point. As a pro-life American who loves the Constitution deeply, I'm thrilled with the Dobbs decision. Roe versus Wade was a legal fiction cut out of a whole cloth from the imagination of a few Supreme Court justices. I'm glad it's been overturned. And this authority has finally been returned to the states where it belongs. Uh, I, I respect the fact that you, you used to be uh, of the same agreement. You used to agree with me that Roe versus Wade was really wrong. You went on MSNBC a few months ago and said I, you defended wait, it. And wait. you opposed efforts to undo it. You also derided as extreme Utahns and Utah for having a law that strongly protects unborn human life. As far as where we go from here, now that it's been returned to the states where it belongs, I believe that is where it belongs. And with a small handful of exceptions dealing with federal funding, this is ought to be where that should, this is where it should remain because it's within the states where we can achieve the most consensus and protect the most babies. Let's go now to uh, ABC4 reporter Glenn Mills for our next question, Glenn. Gentlemen, as we speak, the fate of thousands of dreamers across the country lies in the balance as DACA makes its way through the court system. In the meantime, advocates are calling on Congress to act. My question is, do you support a permanent solution? And if so, what needs to be included or perhaps even excluded from the legislation for you to be able to vote for it? Senator Lee, you go first on this one. Yeah. With DACA beneficiaries, I don't, I don't think any member of Congress of either party disagrees. We have to do something. Uh, th there are a lot of people who have been brought here as children, sometimes as infants, uh, by no choice of their own, by their parents. In many instances, these individuals don't even know the language of their home country, let alone know anyone there. So I, I don't know anyone in Congress who believes that they should be uh, systematically, categorically, uniformly deported. It's not physically possible and it would seem inhumane and unlike us as uh, Americans. Uh, what I do believe is... Hmm. Next, sir. I just think it's funny that he said that because uh, he's talking about it like it hasn't happened before when it has. Yeah. So it's just, it's just funny. Oh. So far, what he said, I definitely do agree. It would be very, gosh, it would be very inhumane if we would do that to those DACA, you know, DACA recipients. So. That in order for us to get to a solution that we have, we first have to secure the border. We were close. We were to the point where we could have gotten this done. This has long been a condition precedent, a bright line for me and so many others. We have control of the border. We can figure out how to deal with those in this status. At the end of the last administration, the border was secure for the first time in, in my lifetime as an adult. President Biden, the president for whom my opponent voted, opened up the doors. And we've had millions of illegal immigrants flowing into the country ever since then, bringing in fentanyl, opening the door for human trafficking. This is disgraceful, and it's got to be overcome 
before we can come up with a permanent solution. Mr. But we do have we'll to give have you 15 one. additional seconds. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, let me just say, I don't think you answered the question, Mike, whether you would support citizenship for dreamers. I'll, I'll say very clearly, I, I would, I would. And the reason I would is because these people have been brought to America as children by their parents, perhaps others, through no fault of their own. The idea that he would even leave the door open to any deportation of them, I think is cruel, Glenn. Yeah. And I- He didn't say that. No, he didn't. Like I said, he's-, yeah. he's He's making these really dumb personal attacks, but and on the other hand, Senator Lee does as well. He uh, he quickly turned to a very favorite use of uh, rhetoric. Um, so he accurately is saying that millions of immigrants have come over once white came, and then he makes it sound like they are the only reason fentanyl and human trafficking has come over. And the way that he lumps it in with millions makes it sound like that's how many are bringing it in. Mm, I see. And that's frequently um, that's frequently incorrect. I know a lot of people who generally oppose immigration love that line of thinking. Mm. They try to demonize them because they say these people are bringing this into our beautiful country and that and whatever. And so McMullen is wrong. So is Senator Lee. That uh, is a fallacy. All righty. I oppose it. It is. Yes, where, where do you want to send them home? This is their home, Senator Lee. Not but at all I, what I but, said, Evan. Not at all. You, would, you, would you oppose deportation of any dreamers in the United States living right. lawfully here, living law-abiding lives otherwise? You've got 36 seconds left. I suggest okay. you use yeah, it. Th thanks, Senator Lee. I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really, yeah, yeah. Very much. I also agree that we need to secure the border. That's important. You know, it, we can't have a, 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 an effective immigration system if we're not a nation of laws. And I do believe we need to secure our border and make a lot of other reforms to our immigration system. Immigrants are a tremendous source of strength for our country. They have made our country prosperous. In the CIA, when I served abroad, I served with many officers who had immigrated to America, and they made us stronger. I think they are a great service, to, they, they are a great source of strength for the country, um, but I do need, believe we need to enforce our laws and secure the border, but dreamers should be given citizenship. Thank you for your responses, gentlemen, and I'd like to go to a question that has a very, very big impact on the state of Utah, but obviously it affects the entire country and elsewhere in the world. Every Utah, when we look at a map, we can easily find our state by spotting the Great Salt Lake. The lake is mm. part of who we are, and it's in terrible shape as a historic drought that has been going on and on. And the now recorded level of the lake is at the lowest level in recorded history. What will you do to help the Great Salt Lake survive? This is something that, yes, we have a lot to do in the state of Utah, but it's going to take some help and some coordination from Washington as well, Mr. McMullen. Absolutely. Well, this is as much an environmental issue as, as, as it is an economic issue, as, as it is a health issue. We have got to save the Great Salt Lake. Look, if elected, I am committed to ensuring that we have the resources. You know, we pay, we send billions of dollars every year as Utahns to the federal government, and we need some of that money back to strengthen our water infrastructure. We've also got to improve our conservation practices. It's both of those things. 
Unfortunately, my opponent routinely votes against bills that would improve water infrastructure. We're so close. He did it this year. He did it in the year before. So close. Hmm. Just couldn't help yourself. Yep. Meanwhile, Senator Romney has worked hard and consistently over the past three years. I think it's important. He works with Republicans and Democrats, Senator Lee, to deliver for Utah. And he voted in favor of the bipartisan infrastructure bill that you voted against. And now tens of millions of dollars have already been directed to Utah to strengthen our water infrastructure. You voted against that. You voted against the Safe Water Drinking Act in the year before that. You were one of only two senators to do so. Meanwhile, our state is in the middle of a, of a severe drought. We need leaders who are going to work across party lines to solve problems and ensure that we have what we need to strengthen our water infrastructure and conservation practices. Senator Lee, you have an additional 15 seconds. I agree that water storage infrastructure is an important part of this puzzle. When rain stops falling at the rate it usually uh, has fallen in the past, we have to deal with it. We can't just legislate more water, and so sometimes we need to transport water from one part of the state to the other. I've repeatedly, emphatically, strongly and boldly stood up for the need for more water storage infrastructure. Yeah, I voted against that bill, a bill that spent uh, uh, well over a trillion dollars, more than we had, uh, on all sorts of things that were not appropriately federal. This one was. Two-thirds of our land is federal. Uh, but it's not just the money that we need. It's also the studies that we need. Congressman Moore has introduced legislation calling for studies so that we can understand why this is happening. But more than anything, we need permitting reform. The need to build water storage infrastructure is often thwarted and slowed, sometimes by decades, by NEPA and other permitting restrictions that can delay these projects for decades at a time. I've introduced a bill called the Unshackle Act, along with a, a plethora of, of other proposals that would streamline federal permitting. It's the single best thing that we can do to help the Great Salt Lake and the rest of our state along with it. We have standing on deck now from the uh, Salt Lake Tribune, the political editor, Jeff Barrett. Jeff? Good evening, gentlemen. Utahns have seen your commercials. We certainly saw the signs on the way in. Some of these ads have been paid for by your campaigns, others by political action committees not directly affiliated with either of you. While campaigns can't legally coordinate their messaging with PACs, candidates are not stopped from speaking out against ads that they didn't endorse. Are there any outside PAC ads that were okay. published on your behalf that didn't share your values? Good question. Senator Lee, you're first on this one, and we are going to ask you to stick right on the clock. We're getting close to the end of the program. We want time for your closing statements. I want to make clear, my TV ads don't talk about my opponent. My TV ads have mentioned my opponent only once a couple months ago. We referred correctly to the fact that he voted for Joe Biden. Other than that, it's been about me. You see, uh, parties uh, are something that you say shouldn't matter. You say you want to put country over party. I respect that. Parties are an important proxy. They're an important proxy for ideas. You see, because it's ideas more than parties that tell the people how you will vote. You owe it to them. You, Evan, have refused to talk uh. about ideas. Refused to talk about which party you'd join. You've refused to talk about ideas. Instead, you're asking the people to put faith, blind trust in you. It's your judgment. That is not how we lead to a good policy outcome. And so for that reason, I, I talk about my ideas in my ads. I would suggest that you do the same. As for outside groups, they don't, 
use the same messaging I use. You can tell what messaging I think is best by what I use. Yours are attack hits. Hit pieces, every single one of them. Your time now, Mr. McMullen. First of all, that's just not true, Senator Lee. Not all of our ads uh, point out distinctions between us. But, but Sen Sen Senator Lee, the question, was, the question was, did you oppose any of the attack ads by outside groups on your side? Now, one of the groups, a far-right special interest group that you're quite beholden to, ran... Yeah, that's true, Senator Lee. Ran an ad that doctored an interview of mine in order to make it seem as though I said something that I didn't. And Senator Lee, why can't you condemn that? Do you need the lies? Look, we've got to protect voters' access to truth. We've got to, and, and any groups on, on my side that have been supporting me have, I think, been quite fair, Senator Lee. They've talked about your votes. Those are a matter of public records, and those have been quite fair. I'm running as an independent because our, our politics are broken. Senator Lee wants you to think party, party, party. Your party owns your vote. That it's all about Republicans versus Democrats. I reject that. We need if, to cut it here. If we prevail, it will make Utah the most influential state in the union. From Lee, we're getting very little. It's very, very important little. that we have plenty of time for the uh, closing comments, which we have promised to each candidate. We are on television, so it's very, very close. We've got to hit the clock. So, Mr. McMullen, you have the first opportunity by the random choice. Well, thank you very much. And thank you all who have joined us in person and, and via television. Look, again, I'll say, our politics in America are broken. Party bosses of both sides have far too much influence. Special interest groups who have given Senator Lee over $4 million during his time in the Senate by the people we elect, and they remain accountable to them, not us. The extremes in our politics have far too much influence in the Republican and Democratic parties. And that is not the Utah way. They don't represent most of us. Our politics are broken to the point that our country's future is now at risk. Most of us know that our country, it feels as though we're, we're coming apart now because of the broken politics you hear from my opponent. If we prevail in this race, it will make Utah the most influential state in the union because nothing will get through the Senate without Utah's support. And I know that with that influence, we will do a tremendous good, not only for ourselves, but for the country. Thank you, Mr. McMullen. And Senator Lee. If this were an ordinary year, if we weren't staring right down the barrel of a deep and dark economic recession, if we weren't seeing reckless federal spending causing us to careen into a situation where we're seeing spikes in inflation, uh, spikes in interest rates, and spikes in the price of gas. If we weren't seeing our adversaries around the world saber-rattling with nuclear weapons and our president speaking of Armageddon, perhaps, perhaps in that moment, seriously entertaining the idea of supporting an opportunistic gadfly supported by the Democratic Party might make for interesting dinner table conversation, but this is not an ordinary year. Look, you know who I am. You know what I fight for. I fight for religious freedom. I fight for personal liberty and did so during COVID. I fight and will continue to fight for criminal justice reform, and I'm leading the effort on bipartisan reform to make sure that we don't ever go to war without Congress approving it. Our I love our country and our state, and I humbly ask for your vote. Our thanks to Senator Mike Lee, please. 
Our thanks to Senator Mike Lee and Evan McMullen for participating tonight and for your uh, desires to serve in public office. Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th. Registration and voting deadlines are fast approaching. We encourage you to contact your county clerk if you have any questions about making your vote count during this election cycle. This debate and others from this and previous years are available online at Utah Debate commission.org. We appreciate the panelists and their contributions and those who submitted questions in advance or used social media tonight to add their input. We also greatly appreciate the many broadcasters who have aired tonight's debate. Thank you so much for joining us tonight and now your applause. All righty, thoughts? Uh, McMullen's losing the debate just because he won't leave it alone. I don't want to hear what you think of the other guy. I don't want to hear what the other guy did. I don't, at this point, he already did it. Yeah. I want to hear what you're going to do. You talking about it's not going to change it. And Senator Lee just keeps backtracking and he's he's just it's funny the hypocrisy um championed personal freedom and then he is against abortion mm. i see that personal freedom at all i see i see that i see that <laughs> they're jumping your personal freedom but yeah i see i see that the, the dichotomy there so well, yeah, I do think, um, well, I, I will say, I think McMullen did have, I think started off strong, very much like, okay, maybe someone I could vote for. But, you know, going back, not solution-oriented and basically, I, I wouldn't say not necessarily shot himself in the foot, but definitely did himself a few disservices. Um, but, um, but, yeah, definitely, yeah, Mike Lee definitely could have come in. Not a strength. He could have just restrained himself a little bit, and we probably could have come out um, more on top. But yeah, but no. At the yeah. end, the end, and he started doing that, and he, his little jab at him, calling him a gadfly, interesting dinner conversation, again points to his idea that there can only be the two parties, and mm -hmm. um, it's funny, but I mean. I don't know. I mean, that's a little creepy. I don't know. It's a little controlling. It's like he's saying, no, this is all there has ever been. This is all there will ever be. Yeah. And it's a little controlling and a little creepy to me. I'm like, ah. Well, I mean, he does have a point. You know, I think at the state of politics right now. Yeah, the, no, 100%. The, 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 you got you to vote with your party, you know, in general, if you don't want the extremes. But that, and, but the long term, that's, that's not, not going to solve anything. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It's not. So, and so yeah, it's, that's... Both kind of falling into their own traps again, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 